Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Here we are again. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing? I'm I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. always fantastic when we have a guest. I know we have a guest lecturer today, uh, and I love this straight from her Instagram. Filmmaker, artist, Jacqueline of all trades. Jacqueline Chesson is here. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Yay. Oh, what are we doing? Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, we're good. It's, it's just for me. <laughs> just for you. Uh, we've had a few times where, you know, we've gotten scared that the... Uh, we had a whole episode on uh, My Friend Dahmer that didn't record. Oh, yeah. no. Are you serious? That's <laughs> when I went to go When I went to go edit it, I was like, I can't hear anything. Yes. <laughs> I've lost oh. all... It's uh, and then we did it again and it was not good because we had to uh, force just, all just, of yeah, them. Yeah, it wasn't as good. Yeah, the second time around. Yeah, yeah, the lost fright school episodes. We have a couple of them, but yeah, Dom, that was a good one and that was sad. But you an know. excision, excision. Yeah. Yes. So go go see. Well, go see Dahmer definitely, but um, excision. That's that's an experience. Have you seen that movie? Excision. Uh-uh, I haven't. <laughs> it's so strange. It Ooh, has like Tracy Lords and Marley Matlin. Like, there's some really great cameos. Oh there. yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. No, the cast. It, I mean, it was a fun movie. It's just we watched it. And then it was like, what the fuck? What <laughs> How do, do you we even, even say? Begin yeah, to talk yeah. About this. yeah, it's very, very strange. Maybe we could try it again now. We have a little bit more experience That's in pulling true. out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> weeding out these sorts of academic things. Uh, anyways, but yeah, so welcome. We're so excited that you are finally here. You all met how long ago, Joe? Um, a year. Mm, I, yeah, it must have been about a year, a little a over year a year ago. Because yeah. I think it was the first, mit- well, not the first, it was. Last year's midsummer. Last year's midsummer. Just happened, but yes. Right. Last then. year's midsummer, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, queer. Uh, well. I did see you at the panel for uh, Queer Fear at, at San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was like, I was writing down, I'm like, a movie about eels. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, took, I took all these notes for for Joshua. Like, movie without eels. Yes, uh, and then uh, we saw you later again uh, later that summer at Midsummer Scream um, okay. at the other queer horror panel that was hosted by Tom Lynn at that time. Yes, um, which you know, bring it back. Uh, so, and then we you know we connected from there, and it was just, and here we are, and, and here yeah. we are, and here we are. Yay! Alrighty, so uh, before we get into a. Uh, fun uh chat with you about all things horror uh anybody see anything recently read anything good watching any television i have been re-watching a lot of werewolf movies uh <laughs> because that's the next one i'm gonna make so Yay. um i i watched trick-or-treat again which it's been a while and uh that was a fun little spin i i'm totally ruining it for some people who maybe haven't seen it but watch it i feel like i shouldn't say too much about it you know or you guys will probably talk about it at some point as yeah well. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to do it for our Halloween episode this year. So yes. Is the, is the plan. So I will let you give away <laughs> all the stuff later. But, um, and Silver, I, I just, uh, I watched a really amazing 80s one. Um, my my mom's a uh, werewolf. My mom, my mother's a werewolf. It is a ridiculous movie. It's kind of a cross <laughs> between a weird John Hughes kind of version of a movie with like werewolf in it it's i feel like in the 80s there were a few of those like there was also like my stepmother's an alien and there were yeah, a few step of those monster going monster step yeah, monster yeah. i so, feel like i have a memory of a movie called you that. don't necessarily need to go watch that one but it was it was a fun one and then um 
uh, Silver Bullet. I yeah. rewatched that one. That mm-hmm. one's so great too. That's also that's Stephen King, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else? I feel like I'm just only watching werewolf movies right now. <laughs> As research, doing research. research. Can, can I ask a question? Do, sure. What do you, so not to give away anything for your upcoming werewolf feature, mm-hmm. but is there a particular like uh, trope or convention about werewolves that you just love? Um, or that you've seen portrayed or maybe it was a different take on it? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I'm I'm doing a werewolf movie next, it's a little of both, actually. It's what I've seen and what I haven't seen. So there's very, very few female werewolves. And, um, you know, I just think when you do see a female, there's a few exceptions. I know you guys covered some, like Ginger Snaps. and mm-hmm. But a lot of times the female werewolf is just kind of mothering and nurturing and, like, taking care of all the dudes in the pack. And it's... Um, and, you know, in, in, in the real world, wolves, female wolves are more vicious than their male counterparts. Mm. Like, they're actually super animalistic. So, also right now in this time, I feel like uh, women should be breaking out and being whatever they want to be and kind of go after those animalistic nature, you know, or blah, 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 the animalistic nature that's mm-hmm. inside of us and, you know, just open up and not just kind of be the way that society wants us to be. Yeah. So, um, so, that is a big part of it for me. It's kind of this journey of a woman realizing that she can be in touch with so much more of her true self. And, um, and she's, I mean, all the women are just going to be super badass werewolves too. Cause I just want to see that. You know? I just can't wait. I, yeah. No, that, that sounds description awesome. alone is, is I'm like, Oh yes. You mean women that are just going to go for it. They're just going to go for it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to pull back. I love pushing boundaries. Um, and I just want to see a bunch of badass women, you know, on screen, uh, being werewolves. At first I played with the idea of like, do I have any guys in it? And I, you know, I'm still, unsure but right now i'm leaning towards no it's just gonna be a bunch of just awesome female werewolves you know just just out there so doing their thing yeah doing their thing but i do love i do love how a lot of times with with the werewolf genre you know they do just kind of it's a little bit like down and dirty and rugged and they're just kind of they're pretty real in terms of their their you know human counterparts like Mm -hmm. they're a lot of times you know they're portrayed as like being out in the woods or something uh like backwoods but yeah they're just kind of yeah, like down and dirty and kind of don't care about society and don't care about doing the right thing. And, you know, not necessarily with um, good or bad for, you know. But their own moral code. Right. They yeah. have. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's more of what people should care about, you know, just mm. like taking care of their family or their pack. Yeah. And protecting um, their home, protecting, protecting their, their home. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just down to basics a little bit. But that doesn't mean that you have to be. But like being having that maternal instinct, but like not, but like not being passive about it, like being very like also being not being afraid to be aggressive in mm-hmm. in yeah, because ferocity like, there yeah yeah. 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 yeah, I like that. You know, I th- it's interesting that because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking it's like, yeah, you're right. You know, if, if there are um, there certainly aren't at least that that I can think of any franchises that begin with a female werewolf. Sometimes they'll come up in the second, third, fourth. Right. You know, they're always, down they're the usually line. side characters. Yeah. Minus, again, a couple of exceptions. Um, but yeah, but it's they just, are. They're, they're like in the really, sequel. Yeah, it's, it's there's just not a lot out there. Even, you know, when you search through. I've just been trying to find any movies that have female werewolves and they're just like kind of nowhere to be found. There's yeah. like, mm-hmm. you could probably count them on, you know, like my, my two hands. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think. It's like, I could think of like an American werewolf in Paris, which is a sequel, Yeah, you know, so you yeah. have her, but she's very like, I mean, uh, she's a love interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not like some ferocious, you know, um, on that level. Um, 
Gosh, right. Ginger Snaps. Yeah, gi- I mean, yeah. really, Ginger Cursed. Snaps is like one of the few. Cursed, yeah. I need to go rewatch that one again because I do remember loving that one. Um, that's what's Craven, right? Is Cursed? <sighs> I can't remember. I know Christina Ricci's in it. Yeah, I've only seen it once. <laughs> Christina Ricci and a very young Jesse Eisenberg is, oh, I think, really? is also in it. Because oh, yeah. it was around. It was around the last full moon that somebody on our Instagram was posting about um, was posting about werewolves, <laughs> and oh, yeah. I was like, and then they showed like the DVD cover of Cursed, and I was like, oh my gosh, is that Jesse Eisenberg? How funny, uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in so long, I just don't even remember. Oh yeah, it is by Wes Craven, it, and uh, Kevin Williamson wrote it. Wow, who mm-hmm. you know they did Scream. I, I remember really liking that movie, and it's funny that I haven't gotten to it yet. I'll, I'll probably go home tonight and watch it. But yeah, yeah, there's there are some female werewolf characters out there, but they're either the love interest or they're you know like uh there's that show that Bitten that she was yeah. just kind of uh, the mother of the pack. Yeah. So even if they have their little moments where they're kind of awesome, it's like I want them to be that the whole time. You know, like, yeah. You can still have love interests and everything else without it being. Um, so mushy, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, because it's like, I like, um, uh, did you watch True Blood? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. there's some cool women, I mean, women, uh, female werewolves um, in that show. They are definitely side characters, but it's like, yeah, I always wanted to see more of their story. Like the right? mother, yeah. what's her name that she was in? Um, she's mm. like a great character actor. She's in, been in tons of stuff, but she plays like the mother of um, of Alcide? No, not Alcide. The other guy who's uh, real rough with him. Oh, okay. uh, shoot, I can't remember. Real greasy Marcus or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really I was like, I want her story. I want right, to know her yeah. whole life that got her to this part where she and she was kind of like that, very like mm-hmm. fuck you, you know. And I, I I I dug that vibe that she gave off. I'm like, there's got to be more of a story. So yeah, if you're working on telling that, you know, yeah. it'd be really great. And right now with the like, I also like um like in that show with the vampires they're very concerned with human affairs because like we're going to kill ourselves and thus take away their food source you Mm -hmm. know so it's like i think it's very interesting in these conversations about nature and all like the damage we're doing what that kind of effect would have on these supernatural creatures that depend yeah (laughs) i i mean it is yeah in the supernatural world whatever the creature is we're the food so yeah so yeah, they more so than anything are probably more concerned. Like, because yes, most of them would outlive whatever catastrophe would happen, but then they don't have their food to survive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so I think it's very exciting. I think you're making uh, you, you you. There's so much opportunity there to tell a really cool yeah, story it, and, and one it that has we like haven't some, seen. Some fun little twists too that I'm not going to really talk about. Yeah, yet, but, that's okay. But yeah, yeah it's that's so right. it's it is it's taking a lot of those characters where they do have like this little piece of it and just building it out where they're the focus of the of the movie. So very cool. All right. Well, that sounds very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So lots of werewolves over here. Joe, anything interesting lately? Uh, for me? Uh, oh, well, you know, I'm getting ready for the new season of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, <laughs> well. That is terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's very terrifying. They have Sean Spicer on. We're going to normalize oh, craziness. <laughs> so it's going to be great. Didn't somebody like quit over that? I read uh, that. I don't know if anyone quit, uh, but I mean, you know, I they, one of the directors or the hosts or something uh, got ups- very upset about it. One of the hosts did get upset. Oh, okay. Um, and he um, he expressed his concerns, uh, and then he released a statement. But he's still gonna, you know, oh, he's okay. still on the show. He's still collect the check. Still gonna yeah. get yeah. <laughs> We're still getting that check. Um, but like, I, I I love any sort of glitter sport, and I mean, it, I I can count on one hand all of the. Uh, reality shows quote unquote that I do watch and for this one it's just you know it's 
ballroom dancing and it's like super flamboyant and it's it's interesting because they have not released the partners and i'm more i'm more concerned about the professionals who actually have to dance with these people Um, (laughs) but like it's it's kind of they had they have been uh they haven't had one in a year they haven't had a dancing with the star season in about a year which is unreal for them because there's been like a seven million um (laughs) And so like you can see birthday. the like the subtle rebranding that's going on oh. like instead of like you know glittery backdrops and like you know like sequin outfits and things like they they have this picture of the of the new um of the current uh, lineup of contestants that's like in a very kind of like a like a gentleman like a high-end gentleman's club it's like a library and they're wearing like you know tuxes and things it's 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 so interesting how all of the marketing is coming out and it makes me wonder huh. when the show starts what it's going to be like so it you know we'll see what happens this probably won't be the, the first the last time i'll bring it up on the show but wow <laughs> but yeah did i ever tell you i went to one i went to a taping of that what yeah you went, went to a taping of dancing with the stars yes because melissa etheridge performed <laughs> so i got free tickets to the fan club I never told you that. that no. I went to that. Yeah. Yeah. Off it mic. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> it was a very odd experience because I'd never really been to a television taping before. Now I've been to a bunch of them, but you know, it's just, it was like, God, yeah, like 10 years ago now almost. Like it was like 2010. I went. Oh my god. Yeah. Nisi Nash was on. Um, yeah. It was a very strange experience, but it was a lot of fun. But anyways. They don't really have, and what's <laughs> hilarious is that they don't really have horror people. They have like their, their archetypes. They've been doing this for so long that there's archetypes. There's like, you know, you have the sports person, you have um, people who can kind of dance, but they I, can't I always dance. feel like it's such a, yeah, like it's kind of cheating when like a gymnast or, or someone who already yes. has so much control over their body then exactly. gets to compete with someone who like is obviously just has no rhythm. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like they, so they did a mini season that was Dancing with the Stars athletes only, and that was like they had Tanya Harding, they had oh, wow. Ma- Mariah Nagasu who won like a medal at the most recent uh, Winter Olympics. Adam Rapon was there, like they Kareem Abdul Jabbar, <laughs> who like was literally half a person taller than his uh, than his partner. Oh, wow. I know, and and it's just and who is like a television writer now and like a producer. He wrote mm. like I think he wrote some of the new um or producer wrote some of the new veronica mars really? oh wow yeah it said kareem huh. abdul jabbar and i was like what? oh I, I know and i mean please correct me in the comments if i'm wrong but yeah i'm just they're gonna come for you Jill. i know they're gonna yeah. come for me but i'm just i'm so it's so fascinating when you have um, and then when they do the halloween show it's like so kitschy because it's like you know we're gonna do a waltz to the monster mash or they did a pass one year it was a paso doble to the theme from the walking dead and they had zombies it was nuts we'll post it because it was it was i was like this is insane like who are the writers on this show because i can give you five crazy bat crazy ideas right now (laughs) (laughs) i love it and and this is the stuff that terrifies joshua this is all of this this is normie this is some normie bs that he has to deal with something for everybody something for everybody it gives you know gives you something to distract from getting to the horror on the show if we didn't have that you know what would what would you do exactly <laughs> uh, which i will distract a little bit more from it because we have the drag race uk coming out are you excited about that no oh no <laughs> oh, you're not Why? no because i'm like i feel like if i'm excited for it because i think we're gonna see something different i don't yeah. know how 
I, I don't know how it's going to be because, you know, it is, I don't know how it's going to translate. And, and if they're going to, I want to see something that's like unique, uniquely UK. Like that's what I yeah. appreciated when I watched episodes of, um, the I Thai think London, Drag Race yeah. Thailand, because mm-hmm. even it's under the World of Wonder umbrella, but it's not necessarily like, co- like RuPaul's not on it. So mm-hmm. they were able to do things that were definitely Drag Race, but also not not entirely and you know yeah. uniquely because there are other cultural exactly. touchstones there's going to be yeah. drag race melbourne or like met drag race australia which is going to be great which is oh. also similar to the taiwan but i don't know if like uk because it'd be interesting because like you know rupaul is such an anglophile michelle yeah. visage has all that history in the uk yeah so we'll see what happens but i'm kind of like i will I'll watch it if I don't have to like pay for the streaming. Like, Ah, you know, if I can stream it like on someone's cable or something like that, I'm happy to watch it. But, you know, we're going to have like a full year of Drag Race because that's going to start. We're going to have the new season. We're going to have another All Stars. Oh, yeah. It's just never going to end. I was going to say, do you watch Drag Race? I do. My sister got me hooked. Yeah. And um, And that's, yeah, now I watch it all the time. Yeah. Although I missed the Thailand one, but I heard it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. and, And, you know, that's a whole, because all of that going on in that side of the world it's a lot of it's a lot of uh it's definitely about female illusion and because mm-hmm. i grew up on guam so like you know we we took a lot of our uh, the drag culture from there comes from like the filipino tradition too and so it's very much concerned with like illusion and realness and and pageants and those sort of things so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see which i'm hoping the uk like i because i i love drag but i love kind of the um the humor and, mm-hmm. and the jabs that it takes at society. And, and so I love like kind of the crazy drag characters. So I'm hoping maybe with the UK, we'll see a little bit more of that, but I, I not, now who knows? You yeah. Know? Now who the knows? cast look very, I, I watched that 14 minute cast video where they're introducing themselves and talking. I I'm, I'm hesitantly excited about it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, into horror drag are you watching dragula <laughs> i i did watch the first episode okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um so i, I am behind up. so i yeah. need to catch up but yeah i i loved the first episode yeah we've got to start watching it joe you've got to get caught I, up because we should be recapping it, that and it I is sh- it's so apparently fun. It's it's insane. Insane. they just they just grab that camp and run with it and i just love they it do but they yeah. put those queens i mean it is nothing oh, like drag race yeah. that um i'll spoil a little bit for you just because this way you can look away and the, but it, within the first 10 minutes um one of the contestants eats a thing of spiders of live no. spiders yeah. no <laughs> you can just close your eyes for that yeah, part. yeah. thank yeah, you there's plenty of warning that it's coming it's <laughs> yeah. not like you know random it's just i that, appreciate that joshua yeah. is very good about letting me know like yeah. you can look away at so, this part if you want i'm like yeah. why it looks completely normal and then all of a sudden you know somebody like, cuts a baby out of somebody with scissors yeah. and you yeah. know oh my gosh hey, exactly <sighs> you're so he's such a delicate flower <laughs> uh but yeah no i was like yeah this is definitely Definitely not uh, Drag Race, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not RuPaul. Well, I had been to a couple of their, you know, their their parties and stuff before the TV show. The so Boulay it's Brothers. like you know what you're getting into, you know, with the TV show. Obviously, they probably have to pull back some of the punches for TV, but but yeah, I just I I always love that. So yeah, they're Paul's. It's bonkers, bonkersville. That's okay. what, that's what to call it. Alrighty, well then. That's uh, that's closes out the news segment of Fright School. <laughs> what's going? What's happening in our lives? Uh, so let's turn our attention to you, Jacqueline, and you can talk all about yourself. Uh, so go ahead. No, oh my God! <laughs> just just start. Uh, let's start with um, where did you grow up? I grew up. Well, I was born in L.A., but oh, I grew okay. up in Northern California, so okay. kind of San Jose area. Awesome! Yeah. You are a native Californian. I am <sighs> through and through. Yeah. <sighs> 
And even born in LA, now that I'm back in the area, it's like most people that are in LA aren't born there. No. Mostly that's kind of the joke. Yeah. But I, I same, actually was same born. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Same as San Diego. It's like you find a native. It's like, oh, like are you what? a unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes uh, I'll... Uh, I have this really awful game and it, I say it's awful because it's totally a joke on people and they have no, and it's not to their benefit, but it'll be like, yeah, I'm not from here. And I'm like, can I guess where you're from? And it's sure. And I'm like, Ohio, <laughs> Arizona. And I'm just like, West Virginia, West Virginia, yeah. like where, like, let me pick. Cause I have a ton like of all of our friends, Joshua included yeah. a ton of friends who are from Ohio. There are a ton of, yeah. A lot of people from Ohio. I mean, yep. yeah. What? Cause it's out. awful. I, you know, I was in a, I was in a ride share recently and um the driver's like um so so are you from here you know because they always try to start conversations even though it's like i'm listening but you know that's where i get caught up on podcasts and stuff like that so i'm like if joshua okay, could have fine. a tagline on his rideshare profile it would be i will give you five stars no matter what please do not talk to me <laughs> <laughs> just let me listen to my thing and you know because i talk all day you know at work so it's like i just want i just want a few minutes so of peace and quiet, just listening yeah. to my friends talk about nonsense in my ears um but uh he's like oh you know did you grow up here i was like no i'm from ohio and he's like um he's like oh yeah what was that like i'm like well, well i left <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like yeah but, I, but like like but did you you know like what was it like growing up there i'm like i left <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's the answer that like i left me and so many others have fled <laughs> i did visit recently it was very nice uh you know but I was visiting, so I got to leave yeah. uh, again. <laughs> Quick little in and out, yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous, but yeah. yeah. So, did you did you also go to uh, to school out here to university and all that? Uh, I basically like uh, I went to Sonoma State, so I was uh, okay. still in Northern California, um, and then lived in San Francisco for a while before I made my way back down again. So, um, right after college, I went in, kind of doing the studio thing. tried tried out being a publicist for some some bigger stuff. I was just thrown right into the middle of Hollywood with the biggest name, you know, like you're bossing around the biggest names all of a sudden. And I, it was the best and worst job I ever had. Being a publicist oh, is, yeah. is a crazy, crazy world. And I was out of there so fast, went back to Northern California and started working on indie film. So that's where I landed in uh, this one small movie that was out in Santa Cruz. And then right after that was the Hamiltons, which was with the butcher brothers. Um, and so I kind of like right away when I started working in production, I went straight into horror pretty much. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. So let's talk a little bit about horror origins then. Horrigins? I don't horrigins. know. I like that. The, the horrigins. <laughs> You're, uh, that sounds like, uh, you know, you're scrolling through Netflix and, <laughs> and the horror genre and it's like recommended for you and it's like horrigins and it's, a, you know, it's the last half of a woman screaming. and Psychotic yeah. genesis here. Um, yes. So as a kid, did you have a, a like, um, how did you find horror? What was the first horror film you ever saw? Well, so I, I won't go too deep into this because on other podcasts, I've gone way too far into all the the kids stuff that I used to watch because it was darker. It was, you know, the original Dark Crystal. It was mm. Labyrinth. It was Return to Oz, which was one of my favorites. Yes, like, I love Return to all Oz. All of the stuff I feel like we used to watch had kind of that, well, maybe it was just that we watched, but, you know, it had that darker element to it. It didn't pull pull the punches the way kids shows do today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of those were probably where it first stemmed from, but I'm also still very terrified when it comes to horror movies. I'm actually one of those who gets pretty scared 
pretty easily. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, it's it's still like, I, I'm definitely growing a thicker skin for sure. But Yeah, but you staying in touch with that, I think is kind of cool. Because yeah, if great. you're making horror and, and, and having these conversations, like you can kind of stay in touch with that. Yeah. Like, you know, you, this your is imagination, me out. I mean, it's because my imagination <laughs> runs wild, right? Yeah. So yeah. I get to put it on screen. You know, versus not being afraid of stuff. I feel like it would be a totally different angle when you're making it. You know, when yeah. I'm making a movie, it's what scares me. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's kind of how I manage the feelings of like friends who are just like, I can't do horror or like, don't think I'm a bad person because I don't like horror. And I'm like, well, it just means that you have a very active imagination yeah. because, <laughs> you know, I can, you know, obviously you you really think that a clown is going to come and bite your child's arm off or something or the dead, <laughs> you know, like something like that. Cause yeah, I mean, like when you look down a dark hallway. You know, some people just see a dark hallway. I see all the millions of creatures that could be hiding at the end of that hallway, you know, or just around the corner. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, it's so funny because, like, I think about that in terms of the bathroom, right? So, like, oh, in my yeah. bathroom, shower curtains pulled back. I close the door behind me when I'm looking into the mirror because I'm like, I don't need, I don't need, a, I don't need jump scares yeah. it, uh, and all of that. I always open the shower curtain when I go to the bathroom. If I go to the bathroom anywhere and there's a shower curtain blocking, I have to open it just so I know nobody's back there. So that's so funny because I leave ours open and Jeffrey will close it and I'm like, open it back up. Not for me, but I do think about that. Like, mm -hmm. I think that other people kind of think that way because yeah, I like to have it open. Plus it makes the or bathroom at least look need bigger. To, you at least need to like peek back there. And just yeah, exactly. Or just yeah. like halfway, just yeah. halfway and I, like when I have guests over and like the shower curtains pulled back, it just makes me so like the first thing I do when they leave is I pull it away. <laughs> I'm like, is no one hiding back here? Okay, good. Yeah, that's why that trope like you see in movies sometimes where somebody's murdered somebody, they put them in the bathtub and close the shower curtain. Like mm -hmm. I don't think that could actually work in real life because I think almost everybody you know would look like it. yeah. I would you know, think just so. Yeah, I mean maybe some people don't, but yeah, I there I would maybe definitely be maybe we're the way. freaks. We're I've, sitting here I've like yeah, we peek I mean, in other maybe, people's bathrooms. Maybe. <laughs> I've I've been to people's houses where I like. Will if I if I'm in there I'm like oh okay I'll just peek behind their shower curtain because I'm just like you you never know could be a dead body could be you know yeah. someone know hiding saying there. help yeah. me I'm judging yeah. their hair products I'm like oh no wonder no, <laughs> <laughs> people That's you've ridiculous. been in people's homes that listen to this they're gonna be like no, oh I know right know. Yeah. Joshua knows I use a three in one body wash <laughs> conditioner and shampoo oh it's that little scene from Will and Grace in one of the live episodes where like Jack is horrified because he finds out that Karen uses like the Costco shampoo it's like, <laughs> he's like oh my god Karen uses it. anyway this is we're off 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 track already so anyway already. so okay so legitimate horror well not legit because see that's the problem I don't want to say legitimate I'm horror but something that's like horror that you would really think is horror horror not mm -hmm. necessarily because I do I agree like return to uh, the dark crystal still freaks me out this has been an ongoing conversation because yeah. I watched it again recently I'm like I know I knew this movie was fucking freaky it was yeah yeah the, <laughs> the new yeah it's just I remember it being so dark like that one was maybe even a little too dark for me but yeah. return to Oz I was obsessed with that one yeah so, that, uh, oh. I the wheelers that. and everything and the witch with the head oh my god yeah so, yeah yeah all the heads but but um so, so far as something that most people would identify as a horror film yeah so the the first one that i remember actually like sitting down and watching it was at a slumber party and it was arachnophobia yay yeah 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 we got it coming that, up we're gonna do that soon so you t <laughs> let's, we'll talk a little bit we we'll, won't talk you know. too much about it then <laughs> yeah, i don't want to yeah. ruin it but um but yeah so that was the first one that i remember sitting down and like watching with people and there's something about horror movies when you sit down and watch them with people it's it's more active, you know, mm -hmm. like if you go sit down and watch a drama, everyone's just kind of sitting there, you know, into the drama, but nobody's like 
interacting with each other. You're not really interacting with the film. With horror movies, it feels like an activity and a movie, like yeah. all in one. And so that was definitely the first time that I had that experience was for, for that first one, even though I was terrified and did not sleep that night at all because spiders could have been crawling yeah, in my no, bed. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's a creepy movie. I mean, again, I, I also think of it, it's it's a black comedy, you know, so it has some of those elements. So I, I, th- I think you'll be okay, Joe. Um, but I have terrible arachnophobia. Like, I, like, freak out okay. over spiders. So, yeah. I, it wasn't, like, a really big fear for me, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, there's definitely certain scenes where you're just like, okay, now I'm checking everything before I go anywhere because <laughs> those little things can, you know, they can they get into everything. They can't. There was a TV show a a while back. I don't know if it maybe was on the Disney Channel or something, but there was a TV show where they... Um, there were like a bunch of spiders that were living in like a cactus or maybe I don't mm. know it, or arachnophobia or something like that. And maybe you're talking about Kingdom of the Spiders. It's like from the 70s. No, it wasn't from the oh, 70s. It was that movie's newer. freaky too. Have you ever I seen Kingdom seen of the Spiders? One, no. Oh my gosh. But it was basically like they were in like this cactus and the cactus like burst open and they were living inside. Ugh. So every time I see like one of those big cactus, I just get really freaked out. <laughs> yeah. And teeming with spiders, with arachnids. <laughs> that's the creepy, like that's what's so creepy about spiders and like just a lot of little creatures mm-hmm. is that they can just get into all the nooks and crannies and oh and you just like yeah. start thinking about where are they they're in here somewhere you know we're, um, we're being watched by many we're being eyes watched right, right now, now. Yeah. black mirror the one with the bees uh-huh you, yeah that was terrifying because uh, yeah. again like little like little things that have little brains that mm-hmm. you know all they need they just want to get inside of your <laughs> Of yeah. your your dark places. Uh, <laughs> oh, that your, sounds, your, that sounds all really your bad. nooks and crannies. <laughs> yes, all my nooks and crannies. Um, so, because we we often talk about horror as like this heirloom yeah. that like is given to you by someone or someone is uh, someone has passed down to you. So it sounds like with um, it sounds like with your with the story with arachnophobia, it was like in like a communal setting with like a bunch with of friends, a bunch of friends. Yeah, friends. It was a sleepover or, party. Yeah, so it was a bunch of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, they're not really into horror movies so much, but that was just like what you kind of did at a sleepover party. It was, you know, but I, I how do we make remember. sure no one sleeps? Right. Yeah. Let's I don't even on, remember doing yeah. like the whole like, oh, let's do each other's nails and stuff. No, we were like watching horror movies and stuff. So, yeah, I never thought about it. But maybe that is part of where where that comes from, because there was also the next one that I definitely remember kind of sitting down and watching with a group was The Exorcist. Oh, wow. For yeah. one of my birthday parties. Yes. And I think I just kind of got hooked with that whole like even though it scared the crap out of me, that interaction, you know, that you had when everyone was sitting down, it just, it, it did, it felt more like um, a communal activity than, yeah. than just kind of separately sitting and watching a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Absolutely. That's the whole, that's kind of the whole reason why I'm even here in this room doing this podcast <laughs> yeah. is, is mm-hmm. um, you know, year back in American Horror Story Coven, Joshua said, oh, you should come over and um, you should come over because we do a screening of this TV show. And for a while, I didn't watch American Horror Story because I always watched it by myself. But then when I started going and I started seeing this, like it made it more it made it easier to sit through because i was mm-hmm. going through it with other people and you know they were you know kind of doing their mystery science 3000 you know track it's a you know commentary on all of that and so i now like i enjoy going i force him to go to movies like when there's more people sometimes uh-huh. because i like the idea of being in this big communal space having and the experience yes. having the experience like yeah. we saw it much like we saw get out so we usually watch movies in the theater like in the mornings like the matinees but we saw get out uh prime time opening weekend and it was like just the best experience it really was just so much fun right yeah there there was one time actually the opposite end i saw the ring 
and it mm. was like a totally dead theater and there was it was raining and the there was a leak in the <gasps> roof amazing. that happened right under the screen like it just scared the crap out of me which you know it's a fun story to tell now but during like i'm just like this is why i need other people to watch these <laughs> movies with you know because it was just like the most frightening experience because literally i'm watching the ring with a big puddle under the screen of the of the theater but that's awesome in an See, empty I theater in an empty that. theater i think there was like one other couple that by the time the movie was over they were already gone and then you walk out and there's like nobody in the snack bar nobody in the bar you know like just everything was quiet and dead and it was terrifying just really creepy yeah Yeah. we did that a lot in high school we saw a lot of movies um by you know going to the theater on opening weekend especially then i was much you know more like no we gotta go we gotta see it right right now and you know who cares how much it is and all that kind of thing and um so i have a lot of good memories of doing that but i just got away one one the cost and two like times have really changed in the last you know 20 years um you know with people just talk and uh, they're uh, on their yeah. cell phones and they're, you know, oh, it's like, so it's like, I don't want to yeah. be in a room full of people that are just, you know, not paying any attention to the movie. They're just, you know, t- you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just very notorious for being like, uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I did not pay $18 to listen to you talk. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. You know? And so it's like, it's that too. And, and, and with horror films, yeah, I like when like, you know, the squancher and I, we go and we sit, you know, we have the place to ourselves. It's a Sunday morning and it's like, just us. It's like maybe a couple other couples. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, yeah. but I did it, seeing get out like that was very, very cool. And we're going to see it later. And so, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be kind of the same. Like it's been, a, you know, it, it, I do it, kind of miss it can, some of those. Yeah, some, sometimes it's fun to have that crowd. And then there's other times where it does. I mean, I probably wouldn't have thought the ring was as scary as it was if it wasn't if you for that experience, you yeah. know, or, um, I remember seeing Blair Witch pretty early on before, mm-hmm. while they were still marketing, but you didn't know, is it real? Is it not? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was just so creepy, you know, like there's, it's crazy how, how you watch the movie can totally change the experience that you yeah. have, you know, and what you think of the movie. Yeah. Especially now yeah. because there's so many things to divide your attention. I saw The Descent with uh, a group of people. I, gosh, when oh. did that come out? I was like 19, 18 or 19, 20, somewhere around that age. And we went and um, we got there late because of herbal reasons. <laughs> And so we were the last people some to get herbal in there. refreshment. Some herbal refreshments in the car. And um, so we got in and we the we had to sit in the very first row because it was packed. It was opening weekend. <laughs> uh-huh. It was packed completely. So we had to sit, you know, with your uh, it was like we were in the damn cave. It was yeah. the most it was one of the freakiest experiences I've had because we were just so close and it was just so, you know, and you're you know, again, you know, you have your you had your refreshments. So you feel a certain way about the experiential nature of, of this. And it was just like, yeah. <laughs> it was such a cool experience. And I mean, I do still like that movie. And I like when I watch it now, it's like, I remember that. And, you know, and that creature pops up behind the girl. It's like, oh my, it was like we were there. Yeah, and then when like they the were in those tight, like, spaces, you know, mm-hmm. crawling so through. Claustrophobic, it was claustrophobic, yeah. I couldn't breathe. Because oh, there was just so no good. sense of being away from it, you know, like, oh. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I love those kind of experiences. See, and then, you know, when I was 19, I watched, or whatever age I was, I watched uh, in the very front row uh, the Sex and the City movie. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> did. Is, so, you know, I, I got to monitor, I had a, like a, you know, a two-story view of Sarah Jessica Parker's beauty mark just like staring <laughs> at me. I was going to say, whole... you really stared at those cosmopolitan <laughs> drinks. Like, exactly. I was just like, wow, you can. Those are some nice Manolos. <laughs> yes, you see those Manolos. <laughs> Uh, but see, this is... Look at that stitch. Yeah. 
this is how this is how we are this is our this is our shtick this is our our thing it's all right so um you kind of went a little bit into this uh so you went to school did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker was that something that happened early on so for it's you? Funny. i've always been obsessed with movies and mm-hmm. i i guess I, I didn't realize how much i had talked about making movies when i was younger until my friend recently had reminded me that like they knew that was what i was always going to do because i guess i was always talking about it i just kind of forgot but um but yeah, I knew I always wanted to make movies. I kind of felt like it wasn't doable, you know, because back when I went to school, we didn't have all of the access to the equipment and, and the knowledge and everything that we have now. Um, you had to really, you know, like go seek it out. But um, I went when I went to school, I didn't go to film school. I actually was okay. a communications major because uh, I wanted Yay. that backup. You know, like yeah. Me too. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Communication. It's exactly. like that blanket like major, right? It's like, like we can talk good. We can communicate. <laughs> yes, we can we can read and write and talk good is, yeah. is our we major. Talk real good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so I did that, but I was still like uh you know, like president of the T V station and, and still had my hands in a lot of film classes and stuff that they offer there. They just didn't have a lot, you know, by way of, of film stuff. But um after the whole little publicity run and I started working on indie films. I started off at the bottom, but kind of, I, I started off as a script supervisor. So I sort of jumped PA and went to script supervising. Yeah, that's, yeah, because yeah. it's usually PA and then. Yeah, and I, I still PA'd on some other stuff later, but um, it was kind of one of those things where it's was like, yeah, I'll be your script supervisor, sure. Shit, now I need to see what a script supervisor does. And back then there wasn't the internet to tell you this is how it's done. I mean, it was still like in yeah. the baby form. Mm-hmm. So there it wasn't a lot of info so you had to go find a book and maybe try to find someone who knew you know how to do this stuff but so a lot of it was learning on set so i, I definitely my film school was just working on indie films and and starting to learn that way um it, you know we're trying to be educational educate our listeners just a little bit on uh because i think that's a first script supervisor um what 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 did you do so script supervisor, um, you, first of all, the reason why I liked that job and kind of started there, I always knew I wanted to do the creative stuff, but again, I was kind of sort of plotting from the beginning. You're sitting right next to the director the whole mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. You're on monitor, which very few people are. You're on monitor the whole time. Um, you're making sure that they're, uh, that they're following the lines of the script and you're taking notes the whole time, very detailed notes. You're also in charge of continuity so you're making sure, you know, if the actor picks up a cup with the right hand, they're going to do that every take so that when you go to edit, you don't have a problem. Um, the script supervisor job is super intense. And yeah. now even with the, the newer tools that they have, it's just, you know, crazy. You're taking pictures of everything. Back then it was Polaroids uh, right. to make sure the continuity <laughs> was going okay. And, you know, you were just the overall overall in charge of continuity and then all the script notes and everything else. Very so, cool. So what you're saying is that you wouldn't have missed the Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, and the script supervisor might not. <laughs> yeah, you never I, I know. Mean, they they could have set the, that thing down last minute. You, you know, never know. Not to, I watched the documentary about how they made the last season. So it's like, not for nothing, there was a lot going on. Yeah. You know, those poor people, mm-hmm. like... You, you know they were on under so much pressure already it's a cup a cup's a cup they can take it out and post yeah. but like but that's so fascinating because like you a lot of when i when 
you have those moments in films where they're showing the director, or, you know, it's like a, a scene, you know, a film within a film type thing. The person sitting next to them is always the person with the big blue, with the yep, big binder. That would be the script supervisor. That's making yeah. all the notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to Very watch cool. the director interact with everyone right from the beginning. You know, also a lot of times you're on ears, which is the headphones. So you're also hearing everyone's mic and everything else. So you get to hear a lot of what's going on on with set, especially if you make uh, friends with the sound guy, then yeah. you hear anything you want that's happening on set. And so you're just, you're kind of getting to sit there quietly in a corner and learn everything because in between takes, there's not enough time for you to run to the bathroom or grab food. Cause you know, on an indie set, it's like next shot, next shot, next yeah. shot, but you're able to just sit there and listen and watch things happen in between. So that's so oh, fascinating because cool. I was I've been watching um, on Netflix the Chef Show with John Favreau and um, the Chef Roy Choi, mm -hmm. and basically like the first season was this entire like behind super behind the scenes about how they did all the culinary stuff for the for his movie Chef uh, that he starred in, but in this most recent season in Volume Two they were talking with another chef and they were talking about how like. It's very similar how um, it's very it's very interesting the differences between like how you come up as a chef and then how you can come up uh, now and how you can how he came up as a filmmaker. So mm -hmm. like before you had to do you had to do like the you had to do your French culinary training and you had to be classically trained in order for, to be taken seriously as a chef. Now you have these chef this whole generation of chefs that are giving opportunities to younger cooks where they're basically if you come into their kitchens they give you that training and then you can go up favreau compared it to his um experience because he was an extra and then became like an actor and then from there he just learned how to make films by being on film sets all mm -hmm. the time and it was fascinating to learn that he had never had any like formal film school training which you know makes total sense because he's had a career that spans decades but you know he this is the man who's making like marvel movies and yeah and yeah, giant features for off. right he's taken off yeah. and it's like that all started from just being curious and asking questions and you know essentially learning by being in it and um being next to uh, the right people and mm -hmm. getting the information i from mean them. This, this business is all about connections and relationships yeah. and so at least if you're learning on set uh you you know people who went who've gone to film school they definitely learn certain things yeah. but even them once they get to set it's totally different yeah. so anything that you learned in class is not going to be the same from movie to movie but on top of that the way people do it in the field is different than maybe what's in the book or what you've studied yeah. so so yeah learning on set regardless if you've gone to film school or not is super important and um but yeah it's yeah i just climbed the ranks through there i, I always tell people just get on set like if you yeah. want to learn just go start working for free and just start learning and paing or interning or whatever you need to do to get there and just see how it's done yeah, I was just listening to um, Gina Davis. She was on Mark Maron's podcast uh, not too long ago. Well, it's been a couple months, but I, I was listening to uh, the episode. You know, she's doing this whole, she's been leading this like gender in film and like the disparity. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so she was like talking a little bit about that, this documentary that she, you know, you know, all this. But she was saying that, you know, when she got Tootsie, you know, she was hired basically because, you know, one, they were looking for somebody who looked good in a, a bathing suit. So they wanted uh -huh. a model who could act. And so she was talking about how, um, you know, she'd never made a film before, really. And, you know, and so she didn't know that she wasn't supposed to come every day. So she just did. She just showed up every day to work. And it's like, you know, nobody told her not to be there. So she just kind of would just sit next to Sydney. Um, 
Polak, Polak, Sydney Pollack, Pollack, yeah, Pollack, yeah. Pollack um, who directed. Uh, Tootsie and she's like I learned so much mm-hmm. like I was supposed to be doing these like film classes and acting classes but really that was way it's better like I just sat next there. to him and yeah. we just talked and it was this great experience but yeah just because she really didn't know much you know about like making a film and I thought that's, that's so interesting like, yeah it's you know, I mean so. the, the amount that you learn if you just keep your eyes and your ears open on yeah. set like if you have downtime if you're able to like stand in a corner and just watch what's going on even like I, I basically my goal before directing anything was to know at least the bare minimum of what everyone on set was doing. Yeah. Because I feel like oftentimes there's certain jobs that like a lot of times uh, people don't understand what the makeup artist does and how long it actually takes to get that stuff, especially in horror. Cause you're talking oh, blood, yeah. you're talking, you know, gore. So it's so important. And I feel like a lot of times the directors would overlook, you know, what they needed to get their stuff done and how much time was even feasible to get bare minimum done you know so it's like it just everything on set it's good to know how it all works even if you're not not doing every single job on set so i wanted to make sure and kind of dip my toes into Mm -hmm. each each section of of the film set so yeah that's awesome well you know and that always it makes for good management skills you know when you have that idea because i think that's exactly i mean to your point a lot of Times management is. Uh, <laughs> like, they just don't. Understand. I don't know how this job yeah. gets it done, but yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Figure it out. You know. Yeah, so, and it's like I at least if cool. you if you have something to back you up, you can, or you have some knowledge to back you up. You're able to say, okay, I know this would usually take this, but I really need you maybe cut this corner, this corner, and get it done in this amount of time. You know. Yeah, because yeah. I know. You know, in my experience, you can say I know what it would take to get this mm-hmm. done and that done, and and it's it's fascinating because like you have we're living in an age where we have film schools, we have these um, these more formalized uh, uh, avenues for training where people can uh, where people can just you know work on their skills, but you know that being said, not many you're not going to be making like how many French New Wave. Uh, Kurosawa like <laughs> inspired mm-hmm. student films are you going to be really making you people just need to be out there and doing and seeing what works for them um, you know it's 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 interesting because like it's definitely a trade and it's definitely the culture on the culture of the set and that's not something that you get in a classroom yeah yeah it's you know and it doesn't mean you need to go pick up that camera and tell your own story you can just get on set and help in whatever department you know you think you can do sometimes i'll tell people well if you're doing sound right now stick with that but then just make sure you're watching everyone else to see where you want to go next if you want to go do something else different but but yeah it's it's being on set is is the way to learn by far Yeah. yeah that's a really that's a really good point um so where how did you get into horror what was so like, was that a, a goal, a plan? <laughs> it was, it's so I sort of just fell into it. So like I said, the Hamiltons was one of my first movies I, I worked on, on set. And, um, I just loved it. I fell in love with it. It was, it had its challenges, you know, you're stuck in a basement for several days while it's rainy and mildewy and everything. We're all just tucked in a corner and, but there's just something so fun about that too. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when you're looking back. The career course, you know. filmmaking. But, but yeah, so it was, it was, I'd always liked horror movies, but um, then working on one, it just, I caught the bug right away. I, I just, I'd always, all of my artwork in general, all of my art, it kind of goes towards the dark side, mm-hmm. always, even even comedy, like I love dark comedy. Um, but 
but I definitely like caught the bug for horror movies right well, now. Yeah, especially there. with like um, you were, you were mentioning like Return to Oz and the Dark Crystal and these sort of you know kids movies in quotes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that you know yeah tend towards the darkness that that sort of makes sense. So the ha- so you worked on the Hamiltons horror obviously, and then from there the the next few were horror movies that I, I kept working on because a lot of times you work with the same producer or you know someone will throw your name out and they're working on another horror movie. So it was kind of the string of indie horror movies for a little bit. Um, and I went from script supervising to production managing. Again, I kind of started off as production coordinator and skipped over. They bumped me up on one of the one of the films. So I started production managing and, and learning the producing track of things, which is the business end, which is where some people really could use <laughs> they could use a little knowledge so was, <laughs> i wanted to also kind of get because that's not necessarily the business stuff sometimes is not our favorite parts being creatives of course um, yeah. but i wanted to know again what you're supposed to do yeah. uh how it should be done you know the right way because even if i'm making something for nothing you know it's still important that i have my contracts in place especially now where you can go on demand or you can do all these vod platforms they're going to ask for your paperwork or make sure they're protected. So, yeah. so it's like you need to make sure you have your paperwork and, and pre-production and everything else in place, even on these smaller no-budget films. Yeah, yeah that makes because sense. you can have you can have a rich life on VOD. Like, you know, I we're, we're living in such a really cool time where, you know, um, you can have same day release, same day in theaters releases. I, I always look for that when I'm like on the iTunes store or whatever. I guess it's just like, oh my gosh, like I can watch this in my home and, uh-huh. you know, watch it on my screen at home, watch it here, um, you know, with Joshua. And, but like, it, it, there's, you can have that kind of life outside of the theater. Like it's not necessarily, you know, you don't need, it doesn't, it does not restricted to that. That's not saying that like the theater is going to die or anything. Like you should still see stuff <laughs> right. on the big screen. Yeah. But yeah. it's um, interesting when you have, um, when you're talking about access and people who maybe live in like more rural areas or don't have like, uh, you know, uh, don't have like movie theaters and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up when I was like, there was basically only one like multiplex theater um, that we, that everyone pretty much went to. And if it wasn't playing there, like then it wasn't playing anywhere. Yeah. Like you just didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the problem is with the, the VOD stuff and kind of um, the whole new, self-distribution model is you do still need to have all those things in place and sometimes Mm. if you forget to get some of that paperwork done or you you skimp on pre-production then you know you could go to try to put it somewhere and get stuck by someone so it's it's you know like if there's a contract that's not in place and then they don't want you to put it somewhere then you can't put it there you know so it could kind of kill kill your movie too if you don't if you don't do it the right way and that's sometimes where for a long time it was hard to find the information where it's like okay i don't have this massive budget I'm doing, you know, a lower budget indie, but how do I do it? Like maybe I'm running and gunning, but how do I still do it where I'm, you know, protected to a point? Like how do I, it's that middle ground that I'm always kind of looking for. So, and then you work with, you just work with, um, you work with people who, you know, you work with people who you trust, you make Mm -hmm. sure that you, you, I mean, again, it takes, it takes a few times, right. With, uh, making sure that you, you get burned once and then it's like, well, never going to do that again. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. (laughs) Oh man. Um, so one, one, and we, it's a little bit later than we ask it. So we may have been, we may have answered the question already, but like we, one thing we asked too is like, you know, why do you, why do you think that we make horror? Why, why do you think horror is still this yeah. thing that people yeah, get, your thoughts that, in general, like they get gravitate toward and, um, well, and I, what I, do you gravitate toward? Yeah, to I, I definitely fluctuate. So 
right now while there's some real horror going on yes in our yeah. political climate um that's when i kind of veer towards sort of like the campy comedy horror um i i kind of back away from the super dark stuff um or i go into more of the supernatural basically i'm getting away from reality right which mm. everyone can have their own version of that with escape but but I definitely veer towards like more the supernatural and campy and like monster creature features, um, which I kind of veer towards in general yeah. anyway. But there's <laughs> there's definitely times where I will go f- after that really dark stuff, you know. But but right now somehow it's just I don't I don't want to like it's just mm-hmm. almost too dark in the real world that I just don't even want to deal with. Yeah, I need something to take me out of it. We're beset know? on all sides from it. Like you know, there yeah. we we need. We need that escape. Yeah. Escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's why that's why horror is important. It's it's kind of it is that escape, you know, and you're you're not having to live in the real world. You're you're able to live those horrors out and kind of have a nice kind of uh ending. It's not always a happy ending, but you have that closure at the end yeah. of it and then you get to kind of like breathe and relax and, and then you move on to the next thing. But um but yeah, I mean it's always anytime the political climate is sort of at its nastiest is when horror movies see an upswing for sure. Yeah. So I think there's definitely something to that. People want to know that they can live through something. Yeah. (laughs) They can, or, well, you know, sometimes they don't, but (laughs) sometimes, sometimes you don't. It's exercising, it's that, you know, revenge fantasy or, you know, just the, like the, uh, the amusement park ride of it, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way, you know, it's exercising the demons sort of, even from yourself, you know, it's just getting all that, that bad energy out and into whatever you're kind of watching on screen, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Do you watch, like, what, what would you say your percentage of viewing of horror is? Like, is it pretty oh, like high up gen- there? Oh, yeah, it's pretty high <laughs> yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh, for yeah. for leisure. Maybe not necessarily research, but, like, for like right. leisure. Yeah, I mean, just there's turn definitely to just a lot of crossover, too, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's, it's a pretty high percentage, even if it's, like, uh, something more, like, quote-unquote, quote normal that i'm watching it, it there's something to it you know i just especially right now it's like been mm-hmm. almost all horror it really has. yeah no same that's why i was laughing the other day because i i'd never seen the coal miner's daughter that movie and i'm a big fan of loretta lynn and i love sissy spacek and you know so i was like doing a little bit of research for the carrie thing coming up and it's like i have to note that i'm watching this because it's not horror uh-huh. you know because it's so rare like a- almost everything i watch is horror almost almost 100 percent of it yeah <laughs> when when he says that he hasn't watched something or his or he's watching something that's not horror or when I walk in and the, and the golden girls is on um, uh-huh. and I'm like, okay, well, you know, that, that tracks on another level that, tra- yeah. that tracks on the queer level on the other, on the other track. Exactly. Yeah. That's on the queer track. Yeah. That's not necessarily on the horror track, but it, yeah, I was just, I, I was actually quite shocked that you had not watched uh, the coal miner's daughter. Well, you know, it's just interesting. Cause I, I just, I avoid, uh, I love Tommy Lee Jones. So yeah, you know. I just, I really do generally avoid music biopics. I, mm-hmm. cause I love music. I mean, that's the other thing. So it's like horror and then like almost our entire like disposable income goes to concerts. Like literally, like I can, I probably see 50 concerts a year. I just go see live music as much as possible. I make live music. I've got a band. So I, I love that. So if I'm going to watch something that involves a musician, I'm going to find an old concert or a documentary. I'm not really interested in like, you know, seeing a seeing, dramatization of their yeah. life. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm just, I'm just not interested. But in doing the research, I didn't know that she sang the role. I assumed like most people, she would have, lip synced mm-hmm. you know and so when they're like no sissy like actually that's that was part of her campaign it's like i'm gonna sing i want to sing myself hoping that they would tell her no 
<laughs> that oh, that she couldn't do the movie. You didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's at least that's the quote I found that she was like, I was hoping my singing would turn them off, <laughs> uh, but it worked. And so I was like, well, now I have to watch it because she actually sang, and I've yeah. got to hear what that's yeah. like. Because I do, I'm a big, I love all those like old school like country, um, you know, women and you know all of that. So, anyways, this again off track, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So in the rare instance that I watch horror, it's like I have to document it because most of my watching because it is doesn't usually happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rare. it drives my wife insane because she's <laughs> I'm making her a horror fan slowly. <laughs> Um, but but yeah, I do like if I have control of the remote, it's almost always going to be a horror. Can, can I ask uh, what what was the what was the first horror film that you showed her? Oh, oh, I don't uh, even know. Like together, like like a together, like or like horror movie. What, what because did it I make you watch first. Well, she she's always been a fan of the vampire anything. Okay, so, yes. Uh, well, not anything. I shouldn't say anything. True vampire stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't know the first horror movie. I know I'm I'm definitely still not really allowed to watch anything zombie or apocalypse stuff in front of her. Okay, so that's still really not her jam. But Pan's Labyrinth. Oh it's like yeah, a, yeah that, no, but that that has that some horrifying so scenes in it, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to. Yeah, I had to like work her into it. So I had to pick something that was like a little bit of a crossover. It's not, yeah. you know, because oftentimes too, it, everything. There's so many projects that could be labeled or movies that could be labeled as horror. Yeah. But totally. they don't do it because of the marketing, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the second you do that, then you could turn away a portion of the audience who they're like, I don't want, I don't like horror, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, there are so many things that they're watching that could be horror as well. But anyway, so yeah, I, I, I eased her in with like something that was like, you know, somewhat of a cry. I feel like early on to it, the orphanage was one. Ooh. I think that one was pretty oh, early yeah. on too. Oh, I yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That, that's, oh, that wow. one's not necessarily easing her in, but but <laughs> I was I, like, ooh, okay. It's so good. It's like it's like it's, it's so Spanish language. It's yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I say that because um, we talked about on another episode where like I as like a young gay man who like is on a dating app or whatever. There are a number of people I've been talking to who know I do a show uh-huh. about. Pod, about horror films and it's become a, a way for me to really get to know people when I put out there like right away I'm like I'm a horror fan you know and th- then that's a way for us to kind of connect about it and mm-hmm. I'm just like oh wow like you know it's it it's really pervasive you know queerness and horror anyway um, but it's been interesting because it's like okay well like maybe we'll watch a film together and then we can see you know we can gauge and uh-huh. I was recently asked by someone I was like you know what do you uh, what would you say is the scariest film? And I said, and without missing a beat, I like wrote back to them. And I'm like, well, what, what are you afraid of? <laughs> because like, for me, some of the scariest stuff is like people locked in an insane asylum that are not in that are being gaslit to believe that they're crazy. Like um, that, that terrifies me. Cause that one could actually happen. And two, you know, it's, and ha- I mean, ha- especially and, queer people. It, exactly. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that's so, and that's like being done to us, like on a daily basis. Well, and women too, government. back in the day, yeah. that's what they used yeah, to do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So oh, she talked. Yeah. Yeah. But insane she aside. said more than five words. <laughs> yes. Throw her in. We can see her ankles. Uh, uh, she's, yeah. You know, I know it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so it's just like, you know, well, I, I don't know what scares you and it's interesting. I mean, that's also sounds kind of creepy that you're talking to a complete stranger on a dating app about like what scares them, <laughs> but you, it's a way for you to kind of see where you're at because like with humor, humor is all about, like, you know, the, the comedian's, 
uh, the comedian's aphorism about humor is that like humor is a shared value. So like we laugh at something because now we all believe we all have this shared value around something. But like, yeah, we're this, all in on the joke. Exactly. We get it. But it's yeah. the same thing with horror. Like the yeah. same thing can be said. It's like we all have this. This is all a common thing that we're afraid of. And more often than not, fear pervades more than humor. So it, you know, it's fascinating because I was like, now I'm starting to ask people like, okay, well, like if you're horror people, like when you're trying to get people like me, like newbies into the genre, what are you showing them or what are you recommending to them? Because like I'm, I've been trying to get my, I'm, I'm, we're going to do it. I really want my mom to get on here for mother's day and uh-huh. I'm just trying to figure out what film, oh, which one to show her, which one to show her. And so I'm like asking people now, like, what do you think oh, I should yeah. show her? And she's a, she's a retired forensic scientist. She's seen silence of the lambs. You know, she, she watches a lot of these like procedural stuff, but she doesn't like stuff. She, that's like true life horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that stuff is so much horror. Exactly. And, and I'm just like, that's all things that could actually happen. And I, you, like you know do you actually think and do you actually think that this could happen and my sister she doesn't like horror but she likes things that are not rooted in any sort of reality so she can watch like oh that will never happen like you know it will never happen or um some supernatural thing she's not cool with but like you know certain things that will never happen mm-hmm. um and i my mom will just can't have any of yeah, it just like the it. moment it's labeled horror like yeah it's we just watch that label right exactly it's, we watch yeah. bird box and she loved it like, oh my god yeah <laughs> and i was like okay well maybe i need to find things with bird box but yeah no yeah. i would i just it, it depends on the person i really think it does so it it depends on like so if they're already watching a bunch of um procedural crime drama show things um, I would just take it a step further and find something that was still along those lines to be like, look, this is a horror movie, mom, you know, like this is labeled horror. See the, see the label right here, you know? <laughs> um, but like, like with my wife, I used to like, we would watch a lot of vampire stuff together because I knew she was okay with that, you know? Mm-hmm. So we would, we would watch that stuff and maybe which stuff and, and some of the stuff that she's like, okay with. And then she started to branch out and watch other stuff, you know, once we, once I got her used to watching horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do want to talk a little bit about queer horror because obviously that's where, you know, Joe first saw you speaking on that panel. Um, you identify yourself as queer. Yes, yes. I do. Yeah. Um, yay, look at, yay, look at all the queer. Look at all of us in here. <laughs> yay. <laughs> People are listening to us. <laughs> right. But I, so I, I found this um interview with you which I thought was really great because you made this comment that I really liked Uh, this is from what is this from (laughs) queerhorrormovies.com which I love how we need to be following this Uh, yes (laughs) but talking about um, that we're getting an invitation to the parties but it still feels very BYOB yeah and so I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that because there is this I feel like you know we're kind of in this interesting time where we are seeing more queer characters popping up on stuff and, you know, suddenly we're very marketable. Uh, yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, in, in this, in this sense of taking an, you know, a generally mainstream show and, you know, sticking some queer characters in there and, and giving them more to do than just be queer, mm-hmm. you know, but still, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like we, there is still work, you know, to be done on that, but I was just curious if you could expand a little bit on that and and your your thoughts on the the, the state of queer horror. The state of queer horror. Well, yeah, I I do feel like there are more stories out there, um, but but I think what's happening still is a lot of the queer filmmakers aren't getting the money to tell their stories. Now, I, I, I'm not one of those that thinks you can only tell the story that you lived. Like, as a filmmaker, as an artist, I think you should be free to explore whatever it is that you want to explore in the moment. So you weren't attacked by a killer eel? 
I'm I, just, I'm, I'm uh, never you mind. Just, you just blew it. You just <laughs> ruined it. It's fiction, guys. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I'm so sorry. it's like no, it, nah. you know, because like there's a, the, that conversation is happening a lot with with all sorts of different things with race and gender mm-hmm. and yeah. sexuality, and so I don't think it's that only certain people can tell certain stories and that's it. You're just stuck in in that path. But I think it is important to still support and give the money to and and let those people tell their stories. Mm-hmm. You know, so that we still definitely more so than not need those people telling the stories. And then if someone else dabbles in it, fine, great. The more that we're out there, the better. The more queer characters yeah. that that we see out there, the better because that means we're seeing all sorts of different characters and people and hey, that's real life, you know. But I think it is important for the studios and and everyone to back the queer filmmakers, especially the queer audience too. Sometimes even them they're, they're running with their money to go to that, you know, that major franchise. And it's like, wait, hey, guys, we're over here. We need support, too. You right. know, so I, I that's kind of what I was referring to. I think when I when I made that quote was um, just that that we still need to be supported, like the queer filmmakers still we're still, you know, kind of bumping our way through without a bigger budget because we're As just kind say, of doing yeah. it on our own, you know? Yeah, because that's sort of a little bit what I read into it. It kind of feels like, you know, like, yeah, we'll make let you make this movie. But like how much of the resources can you provide? Mm-hmm. You know and I mean? Yeah. It's like, so it's like if you're coming up with this great idea and then it's like, okay, well now how are you going to pay for it? It's like, well, that's why I brought it. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's why I thought here. we could like work together on this. You know, you know like kinda, on a regular know. movie. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Or even, even some of the shows that are, are bringing those characters in. It's like, it's great that, that they're putting those characters in front of the camera. Make sure those people are behind the camera. Yeah. Too. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that's the, the big thing is making sure that behind the camera we're we're still represented there. Yeah, I kind of got into it with someone about um, transparent mm-hmm. um, because they were like, you know, they were talking about you know Jeffrey Tambor and all of that, you know, stuff going on with him and mm-hmm. um, what's her name, Jessica from FRS Development. Oh um, yeah, um, uh, Jessica Walters. Yeah, so so all of that stuff, and they were like, well, you know, Transparent's like, you know, we should cancel Transparent because like he's a he's a cisgender man. I'm like, yeah, but like Jill Soloway, you know, there, <laughs> Jill Soloway, and then Our Lady J, and then there's a ton of people that are making the film. So like making the, the show, yeah, the yeah, show yeah. that are behind the scenes yeah. that like you calling for a, com- you calling you enacting cancel culture is going to leave all of these like queer people, mm-hmm. <laughs> queer trans people, people of color, doesn't jobless, like, jobless. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the, it's fascinating that we're like, people who and that's one thing that i love about this and as we get to talk to more artists that are in this industry um you can really see the effect and the the amount of uh work at literal jobs that people uh, have because of these creative products and these 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 properties and i feel like the lay the lay person who goes to see the film like you know it's made for them so they just think that they have this ownership of it and Mm -hmm. they can cancel it at will but they can't Mm -hmm. because there's people who are like you know, someone is someone like went to work every day, <laughs> got up and did this, you know, because they're an artist and it's their craft. But, you know, mm-hmm. not it's not entirely for um, it's not entirely should be canceled because of X, Y or Z. Yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of times when that happens, it's coming from a good place. Uh-huh. But it's it's not, you know, I it's such a struggle right now, too, as, as more and more people are outed. Right. But I think it's still important to. Um, depending on the scenario, 
the past projects and the past art, you know, it's like I, I still kind of struggle with, well, but I used to love this person and I used to love this movie. Am I still allowed to? But it's like, I think moving forward, you just support the people, like the good people. <laughs> like you just don't support them in future projects. I think that's yeah. like step number one for sure. But yeah, there's so many people who work on on a film and there's so many actors and people behind the scenes that when you are trying to cancel because of one actor or one person, something that's already been made and already out there, then that's that's affecting so many people. Yeah. More so probably than the person you're targeting, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because even I've never really, like, I don't count myself as, like, a film person. Like, I mean, we do this podcast about horror because I love horror culture and I like the academics of just, you know, somebody's made a film and I'm only really thinking about the film and what that film says. You know, a little bit of behind the scenes, you know, who the director is, what they're, you know, I mean, there is some, but it's like I, I didn't until, you know, a couple years ago really think about the whole process of film. Like, I was reading, um, um, oh gosh, her name just left my head. Uh, shoot, Faye, Tina Faye, her memoir, Bossy Pants. Oh, uh-huh. And she talked about like, you know, having that struggle of like, I have to get out of bed, 200 people work for me. And I never really mm-hmm. thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. she's right. Like this huge, you know, she's making this big show and all these people work and there's all these families, there's all these, other, there's, there's the 200 people that work for her and then the thousands of people that depend on those 200 people to live and to, and to survive. And so, yeah. I, and that, that big A-list celebrity, they already have their money. Like, right, yeah. you know, yeah. it's probably not, if you stop viewing it, it's probably not going to affect them. It's going to affect all these other people behind them, you know? Yeah, that's uh, what was it? Samuel L. Jackson recently was like, I already got paid, so yeah, fuck you, burn yeah. my movies. I don't care. Yeah, I got yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is, it's it. everybody else involved, you know, that does yeah. get effect, that does depend on the, you know, the, that continuing to sell or, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. you know, they need the the, the work. You but, know? That, but that's just what I've started doing is like, instead, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I'll support the projects and the people mm-hmm. that, you know, I think deserve it. And, you know, I, I'm just trying to look forward instead of constantly looking back. I think all the movements and stuff that are happening are super important. We definitely mm-hmm. need to talk about them and, and deal with them. But in terms of the artwork that I support, it's moving forward. It's always going to be, you know, those people that I think need it or deserve it or whatever it may be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I like that. Um, that view a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause there is, and there's so much great stuff being made, you know, and that's, that's kind of always the, you know, the heartbreaking thing is, you know, cause we meet so many cool independent, like people that are working on stuff. It's like, why, you know, like Hollywood, it's like, everybody's talks about, Oh, there's just no ideas left. There's yeah. no ideas. There's no ideas. We're just going to keep remaking and making new sequels. And I'm like, are you out of your fucking minds? Yeah. Like there are incredible novels that are written, you know, and just in general, like that have never been touched, never been adapted, you know, just for starters. I mean, that's only like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Not I and just creative filmmakers. They're starting to realize that, right, by dipping into the comic book industry, finally. Not just yeah. for superhero no, stuff. But oh, but like into, graphic novels yeah, and every, yeah, yeah all of so that. So it's like finally Hollywood's starting to be like, oh, maybe we should open our eyes and look at some places. And, you especially, know? and especially those because they're like, you know, highly visual mediums. Yeah. They already are storyboarded It's like for a storyboard, you. yeah. 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 Well. But yeah, it's oftentimes they just, they have their people that they always work with and you have to be in a union and you have to be this and otherwise they're just not going to touch you, right? And, all these independent filmmakers are making some great things, you know, they're being little, they're being like punk rock, you know, making whatever they want without worrying about the rules. And that's kind of why a lot of the artwork is being made. I keep keep saying artwork, but why the art and the film yeah, and stuff sure. is being no, made yeah. because, you know, you're, you're not worrying about the rules. You're just making something and you're not kind of worrying as much about 
all of these little things that you have to worry about if you had a studio kind of behind you. Yeah. yeah. So, and the intense pressure that like even that you, cause at that point it's like how much of it is actually you and, and your, your, how much of it is actually your film and what, what, what kind of auteurship can you have over like, you know, like John Favreau, it's like John Favreau, what kind of auteurship can he have over, you know, X Marvel movie or X Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, even now I can, I can watch a Soderbergh film and like know that it's like, it, it feels it still feels like very him. much like them yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's mm-hmm. um even on shock attack i had mm-hmm. i had kind of my deal worked out before i even made the movie um and i had to still even compromise little things because well my my sales rep wants me to do this you know or it mm-hmm. says that this will sell better or whatever it is and so it was a struggle from the beginning and that was just with one person kind of in the mix kind of you know telling me and what to do and giving me notes so I can only imagine in the studio system, you know, they oh, yeah. have so many cooks and chefs yeah. in that kitchen. So, um, and how's it going to play in China? And you yeah, know, yeah, <laughs> I, like it literally was like, oh, well, this isn't going to play well internationally over here. So you need to make sure and do this. And especially back then, queer con- content that was like, I kept getting pressure of like, oh, do they kiss? Don't they? You know, like because that may not sell overseas if you have this queer relationship right in their face. Yeah. So it's so interesting because you've all, you know, I think horror, we have this idea like film filmmakers or people want to make, you know, film at all, you know, maybe, you know, Oh, like horror is a little bit more free or something because there, there have been a lot of great horror films that have been made, you know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Blair Witch Project or like paranormal activity that were made on like a really small budget, really effectively. Maybe they didn't have all of this, but it's like, obviously everybody has, Oh, no yeah. matter what, yeah. <laughs> where you're at, there's well. First of all, somebody. the second there's a, yeah any kind of any kind of corporate entity, you know, on any level on any part of the process, then that's that's something. Um, as a director, you have your producers too that you're you're dealing mm-hmm. with, and sometimes they have you know a little more control where they have more of a say about what what happens. So yeah, there's all all sorts of people in the mix, and you do have to constantly fight those battles, you know. Well, let's, um, that's a good uh, transition to talk a little bit about Shock Attack. So this is your, um, was this the first feature that you did full length? That or? was my first feature. Yeah, my okay. first thing yes. I ever directed. I literally dove into the deep end for, for this one. I, I, <laughs> what happened was I was working in distribution for a bit, again, working all over the place. And um, I kept seeing all these, these horror movies come across my boss's desk. And I was just like, I can make that. I can make that cheaper yes. and better. And, you know, <laughs> and so, cause it was all these like B horror movies that, you know, these crazy, ridiculous, but so much fun movies coming across. And so she was like, fine, if you, if you make it, I'll sell it. If it's in this genre, I'll sell it. So that's where I kind of came up with shock attack. I was watching, um, Oh, what was the name of that show? It was that, that guy with the, the different killer fish. Um, I can't remember the name. River Monsters. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was watching River Monsters, and um, there was this one where they were talking about electric eels, and basically it was like a couple of cowboys and their horses all of a sudden just like dropped, right? They just went underwater with nothing, like no struggle. They just disappeared under the water, and I thought that was so terrifying. And so it turned out that it was electric eels, and it affected their heart, so they just they just went down. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's kind of where the story started from. I was like, electric eels. Like, I don't think I've really seen this. Um, I just had that one image in my head, and I'm like, I'm going to build something around this. And then it was just thinking of, um, you know, the rest of, of the rest of the storyline. 
Um, and then when I went to do it, I knew it was crazy to make my first movie on the water <laughs> because we've heard over and over again that that is crazy. And it was, um, but I just, I just really wanted it to be the creature. Where did you film at? Uh, it was, it was on the Delta river up, up in Northern California. Oh, wow. Um, and it was funny because at one point we had, so we did build a big eel puppet cause I wanted to go practical. Uh, but it ended up malfunctioning on us <laughs> it wouldn't sink into the water so we we did shoot some stuff with it but it just wasn't convincing enough and we ended up having to go cg with the monster but um but we had it laid it was across the front of this big houseboat that we were shooting on and we were just going out to the location because it was like an hour boat ride out to where we were filming and all the fishermen that were passing by nobody blinked an eye at this big weird fish we had laid across <laughs> the boat of course and it was just like what is in this river that they don't even care yeah that we have this like thing just because it, it looked convincing you know in the sunlight with the glare and stuff but um but yeah so we we uh that was the first the first thing i i directed what's sorry again this is like coming from that like film creation ignorance i have it, what what's the alternative like in a swimming pool somewhere or like i mean <laughs> I, yeah like what do you do if you're not going to try to film on location somewhere well no we were we were going to film on location but we were uh, practical is uh, practical effects so i w- we were trying to do it with a puppet <laughs> no no i know that but oh, it, when uh-huh. you said oh it's crazy to film on like the water like oh yeah no it's just crazy to film on the water just because everything goes wrong Uh, yeah because of because i'm just like how else would you do this film yeah no it's (laughs) but yeah people just are smart and don't do stuff on water okay (laughs) it's it's really what because it's like you don't see a lot of these kind of movies a lot of the a lot of the water stuff you're not going to see a lot or all of a sudden like if it's a shark movie they're on the beach quite a bit there's a reason okay there's a reason why it is it is everything that could go wrong will go wrong right that is on any set but on a on a water on set. A water yeah. set. On it, a boat. It is like, like a, yeah. yeah. And then you have like, you know, actors who are going to be wet the entire time. Wow. And, you know, yeah. then you're managing I mean, we people. Did, and we did keep them on boats for a good portion of the time. That wasn't necessarily intentional, but we did shoot at a time when the water was freezing. Oh, wow. So one of my actors, uh, Andrew, I love you. He, he had to go to the water for a swimming scene. And it was just one of those things that we knew we had to do. And I was just like, you pick the day. We will, we will move the schedule around the day that it feels the warmest will will get this done and you know we had a a wetsuit under his his costume and we had everything ready to go to warm him up after but yeah it was it was rough yeah oh yeah but not as rough as like sometimes you'll see those those movies where they film like where it gets really cold you know and you're just like i have no idea how these actors oh, are yeah. in the water right now because yeah yeah is this area where you filmed it was it like um is it is it like touristy? If it's it had been not, warmer, the would there have been we, just too many people? No, the part or, where we're, no? we're at, I don't think it gets very touristy. It's okay. Um, it's this weird area that my my friend Justin, um, he had his he's had a boat out there for a while, and um, it was kind of amazing because when I wrote the script, I'm I'm very big on doing a pass as the writer, right? Not not trying yeah. to think too much about. It's like I, I know I have a couple things in place, but I'm just going to write whatever I want to write, and then I'll deal with it as a producer later. So you wrote. You wrote this. I did write. Oh, Shock very cool. Too. Yeah, awesome. Um, I kind of did a lot of everything <laughs> on it, and you know, uh, some of that. That's was... awesome. It's just credits. Yeah. it's like that joke. Right. director. But it was, you know, I, it was. I wrote all these boats in it, 
you know, I, and I didn't know I was going to get the boats. I just was writing, you know, whatever I wanted yeah, to Dream see. big. Think big. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just so happened to have access to all three boats that I had written oh, in the movie. Awesome. And they were about what I had written. It, it was really strange how with that movie, everything was kind of lining up in a way that it was like, okay, you just need to start making stuff now, you know, because I had been in the, the business for probably at that point about 10 years. It's been... I'm I'm almost up to the 20 year mark. I think I'm at like 18 or something that I've been in the business. Oh wow! And so um, I had already been in for a while when we go, we went to film that. So it was like, okay, I just need to stop worrying about everything. I just need to go make something finally, you know. Yeah, but. and and again, like you having all of that experience in all the various different places, um, you you have you're able to um, you're able to go into this first feature like knowing a lot more knowing more than the you know the average person would or even like the average like person that's doing like a student film or something like that. yeah so when things would fall by the wayside or someone would drop out or you know someone's sick or or whatever it may be yeah i'm always able to kind of pick up whatever piece i need to to make sure the movie gets done yeah yeah you're holding a boom you're like (laughs) have that that overall view like of the the bigger picture of like okay well we can do this today instead or that and still you know make your time oh yeah being a production manager helped so much in in rearranging schedules it's never easy to rearrange schedules it happens on almost i think almost every set i've been on we've had to do it for some reason or another in the middle of production sometimes it's like an actor has to go do something or or they can't make it to set till three o'clock or whatever it is. Um, but that helped so much. But also being on location where you kind of, the actors are there with you and they can't really go do anything. Like I always <laughs> love shooting on location outside of LA because um, first of all, people are just nicer about it. But then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then also it's like you're getting people out of their everyday lives and we're all kind of going to summer camp together. You know, it's yeah. just so much fun. Yeah, but that would be fun. And then you're also not losing people to the Starbucks down the street. Right. Or like. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just go have a meeting really quick and come back. They're yeah. stuck out wherever yeah, we are. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. So, so obviously, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, you know. Yes, that's what I was saying earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so... The movie again, obviously, it's about electric eels. But like, what um, what drew you to this like creature feature kind of genre? Like, you know, natural horror Mm -hmm. is sort of what we're called. We're we're kicking off a whole like segment in natural horror with you of like talking about you know like when animals attack. You know, this sort of you know what drew you to that? Besides, I guess that that first initial meeting with arachnophobia, you just Uh always knew you wanted to make. I I just love creature features um, because. Well, just any horror movie in general, you get to always hide a lot of messages in that you wouldn't be able to yeah. with a normal movie. Yeah. That That is also a big part why I like horror movies is you're able to kind of sneak those messages in. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely like kind of an environmental, mm-hmm. um, it, it was being concerned with the environment, you know, and, and kind of being able to sort of, you know, sneak that in. It's the, the scientist in the beginning creates the monster trying to... Um, trying to come up with a green form of energy. There was this thing that I, when I was doing the research where they had an electric eel in like a tank that was lighting a Christmas tree somewhere. It was some like little kitschy thing, but like they, they've definitely started playing around with, with, you know, different ways that they can provide energy. And so that just sort of like, it sparked something in me and it's, I've always been really intrigued with, you know, how far should we take things and, and creature features aren't the only ones that, play with that but definitely a lot of times the animal is the way it is because of something we've done to it 
Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, well, and some of the, you know, you mentioned zombie movies earlier, like 28 Days Later. It's kind of, you know, this or like Jurassic Park or um, what's a uh, mimic, you know, where you oh, have yeah. that like mm-hmm. plucky, like we're going to fix something. But again, yeah. it's that thinking beyond mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we've solved this problem. But now we have these things just wreaking. Yeah, now we have <laughs> this thing out. Now yeah. we have a big killer electric eel out on the water. So what do we do? <laughs> How do we do with our this monster we've created? Yeah. <laughs> now we have to battle it. Um, so what is the... Uh, the future for shock attack right now because um shock attack it was so it was on prime and um and it went overseas and stuff Mm -hmm. um the right now i'm i'm working on getting it back on because all the contracts are switching hands and stuff okay um but yeah it'll be out there hopefully by the time this is out we'll have it back out there um but but yeah so it'll make its way back onto amazon and hopefully a couple other places we'll see where yeah i love you know i will say that's the one thing about um like video on demand, Amazon Prime, Netflix, you know, any, any of those is that, you know, you can, it's nice to be able to have that instant access to something. Yeah. You it know? Really is. Yeah. You forget how, like you forget when you can't find that one because it might be in transition or whatever. And you're just like, Oh, I didn't even think of this. I just wanted to watch it right now. Oh, I have so many things that are saved like on my watch list because it's like currently unavailable. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, well, one yeah. day it'll come available again. <laughs> and either I will have to buy it or it'll, you know, be prime. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, like this right now, it's like, saving. Yeah. <laughs> although you brought us lovely DVDs today, which is awesome. Yes. So I do really appreciate that. Uh, you know, nice I physical still love. Yeah. I still love the physical, physical media. Media. Yeah, Physical I love media. it still. <laughs> so. so we um, we talked a little bit in the beginning that you're working on a werewolf uh, feature um, that you're going to write mm-hmm. and uh, put out hopefully sooner than later because uh, <laughs> I'm already excited for it. Uh, but any anything else you're working on right now that is imminent? Or? Uh, yeah, I have, um, I have a short that made the festival rounds that I'll be putting out uh, very soon. I'm not sure where the home is yet, but it's okay. called Dark Hole. It's just a fun little, a uh, little quick one. Um, and then I have a couple other shorts that are making that will, they basically are just getting into some festivals right now. Cool. Um, it was this POV series that I created and, um, I was starting to put it out just straight onto YouTube and then I decided to kind of take it and give it a little bit more of a run, you know? So, um, so it's a couple of them are going, a couple of the episodes are going around to some festivals and then. We'll put it maybe Amazon or, you know, like I'm, I'm going to find a, a home for it as well. What's that uh, POV? Like, so what's POV, the uh, it's called POV in the Shadows. And basically each episode is, it's an anthology series. Uh, and each episode is shot in the style of POV. And then their big reveal is when the, the only time you get to see kind of the whole lay of the land. So whenever the switch in the story is, that's where we finally go out of the character's eyes and you see the whole kind of story laid out in front of you. Huh. Very cool. That sounds really interesting. How yeah. long are the episodes? The episodes are really short. They're like um, usually average around five minutes, three to five minutes. Oh, cool. Yeah, awesome. it's been it's been really fun. It, it was a way to kind of have the actors um, sort of get to play, and I get to play mm-hmm. a little bit more. It's a really interesting way to shoot um, and sort of a strange crossover. It's not the series isn't VR, but it almost feels like it. Oh, um, cool. Because you're you're in the eyes of that character for for most of the story. How many do you have of those so far? Uh, there's four that oh, are that are done, cool. yeah. And you just kind of make them as you. Uh, that yeah, they're they're gonna have seasons. So the okay. season one is basically just four episodes right now. Cool. Uh, but but yeah, I'll definitely be continuing it. Oh well, yeah. cool. Well, yeah. we're looking forward to that. Do you have um, 
do you have like a website or somewhere where any of other shorts or anything you've done are stored or yeah, well, I, a lot of them are just kind of in okay <laughs> all of them are in limbo right now. okay okay but um <laughs> but if you there is to and fro is the production company so it's to-enfro.com to and fro. Um, that's and that's cute. where all the stuff will be posted uh also my social media stuffs all right, uh, all so, right. so i usually try to be good about posting there <laughs> not always good about it but i try and we'll make sure to post all that oh know, yeah definitely all that in the show notes and you yeah, know and boost we'll that signal definitely keep up uh with you because i i'm very very excited uh, about your work and your um your ideas and um hopefully uh Hopefully it all gets to come to fruition. It when will. it, when it I comes, force yes. it. I force when, it to fruition, when. no matter what. Uh, yeah, we have to remember not not use an if when, because <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's very very exciting. Um, so uh, yeah, yay! Well, again, we thank you so much for being here. We're gonna have you on uh, again in the future because uh, you're love to come back. Yes, yes, you're so fun to chat with here. Um, yeah, so let's see, what was the your Instagram that people could find you um, at? All of my my handles are uh it's at jack chesson g j-a-c-c-h-e-s-s-e-n and i i think i made that for all all three instagram facebook and twitter awesome oh. pretty sure that's right <laughs> if, check the show notes yeah. are you looking at me like my wife is looking at me like i said it wrong i don't know i think that's what it is uh well perfect so that people can find you and again like we will definitely uh post and share and uh you know, encourage people to find uh, shock attack and uh, and yeah, keep us. You know, let us know because we will definitely yeah, uh, I'll, I'll bump it out once updated. it's. On, We're going on out for way. unagi after this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, that was actually one of the one of the plays when we were marketing it was like because uh, I think there was something going on with oh it was all the the fish that were getting <laughs> funny enough they were all getting the you know leftover. Um, radiation oh from, you know. yes right. uh-huh. so it was around that time so we, you know we we're basically making a pun on that yeah <laughs> i love it i dig it i dig it all right well thank you so much jacqueline for uh coming on and and you know spending some time with us here in the uh west craven memorial library you used to love it. uh joe joshua unpleasant dreams no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a good night good night Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network. 